Good morning, everybody. Good morning, everyone. Greetings in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Welcome to the third installment to the series Becoming. In fact, Becoming is going to be the theme for the next three months. Because the more you repeat something, the more it becomes real in the mind of the listener. And so Pastor and I have decided that becoming is what is needed in our experience with the Lord. What is becoming? It's that experience where change happens in your life that is unique to you in the areas that matter the most or in the areas that God points out. We are focusing on the Passion Week. Even though the Easter weekend has passed, for us in the preaching, we are going to stay there until the month is done. This morning, I want to focus on another incident that happened around the cross that teaches us the importance of becoming. And to help us understand that theme, the sermon today is entitled, Becoming a Cross Bearer. Becoming a Cross Bearer. It's one of those topics that is not very popular in the minds of listeners because the last thing we want to hear is that we have to carry a cross. Cross-bearing is a human experience. It doesn't matter whether you are a Christian, a Muslim, a Hindu, a Shiite, whatever it is, you will be forced to carry a cross. Now, there are different types of crosses. That is not my burden this morning. But there are crosses of circumstance, ways beyond your control. You didn't do anything, but it happened to you because you are a card-holding member of the human race. Then we have the crosses of uh, 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 causality, meaning you did something, you got yourself into it, and so it is. But there's the third cross, which I call the cross of calling. The fact that you become a follower of Jesus, you are signing up for a cross that others might not ever bear. But the point is, you are going to have to carry a cross. Cross-bearing means having the weight of responsibility and accountability. It means handling the pressures of life that come at you every single day. It means dealing with setbacks that cause disappointment and pain. It means navigating loss, pain, grief, embarrassment, shame, all of it. It means dealing with difficult people, known and unknown, friend or foe, family or frenemy. It doesn't matter. Cross-bearing is our reality. Amen, somebody. Jesus is the ultimate cross-bearer. Hmm? Nobody will ever be called to carry the cross that Jesus did. I know it's tempting to assume that your cross is heavier than somebody else's, but I'm here to tell you that even if it is so, Jesus will always be the cross-bearing champion of all time. The Bible says on a Thursday night, Jesus has finished washing the disciples' feet. He has finished giving them that 
uh, pre-cross lesson that would carry them for the rest of their lives. He has finished reminding them of their responsibility as his followers. He has promised them the Holy Ghost. Then he takes them to the Garden of Gethsemane. The Bible says that as he's approaching it, he becomes discouraged and anguished and distressed. He takes three of them and he goes inside to pray. I want you to know that Jesus' distress did not begin on the cross. It started the moment he realized who he was. At the age of 12, watching the animals being sacrificed, Jesus saw, that is me. And throughout his life, he was conscious that one day I have to pay a price. And so the Bible says on Thursday night, he, he is praying. The prayer is so intense that he begins to sweat blood. The capillaries in his sweat glands popped out. And instead of sweat, blood flows down his face. Why? Because he was thinking about you. The Bible says throughout that whole night, Judas betrays him. He's taken to Pilate's judgment hall. He's taken to the Sanhedrin. He's taken to Caiaphas. And throughout that experience, Jesus is sleep deprived. He is discouraged. He is alone. But he keeps going on because he's doing it for you. He's found guilty of a crime he never committed. He's guilty of things he's never done. He volunteers, but he's also forced. The Bible says in the morning, Pilate is doing his best to let Jesus go because he understands this man is innocent. Even Pilate's wife told him, dude, I had a dream. Stay away from this. But like most husbands, Pilate didn't listen. And the Bible says that he continued to try to get Jesus free. He does one attempt. The Bible says that the Romans had Two practices I want to share with you this morning. I want to do my best to paint a picture of the blood and gore that Jesus went through. They had what they called a cat of nine tails. So what they would do, they'd get leather strips, and at the end of them, they would put broken pottery, broken uh, 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 bone, and different metals on it, and they would make you stand at an angle, and the soldier would whip you from diagonally and rip the flesh from one side of your back to the other. In most cases, they could literally rip your organs out of your body. But Pilate was doing this so that they could let Jesus go. But see, when the devil's got you by the throat, he's not looking for you to surrender. He wants to take you out. And so the people said, we're not interested in that. We want blood. Pilate says, okay, okay, let me present to you somebody worse than Jesus. Here is Barabbas. He is a rebel, he's a thief, he's a murderer, he's attacked some of your homes. And they're like, no, 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 we don't want Barabbas to hang on the cross, we want Jesus to die. And so the second thing they do to him, it's called the hot hand. The hot hand. So what the soldiers would do, they blindfold their victim, and then all of them slap you in the face. They take off the blindfold... But here's the caveat. One of them doesn't hit you. Your job is to decide who it was. And if you fail, they repeat the process again. Jesus has been sleep deprived. He's been mocked. He's been spat on. He's been accused. People that he, he opened their eyes, point a finger and say he's guilty. And the Bible says that he's exhausted. And so they take a beam, not a cross, a beam. I know the children's cartoons and the movies that you've watched, you see a cross being put on Jesus. It wasn't a cross. You see, the cross was made up of two beams. The vertical one that was uh, uh, implanted in the ground was called the crux simplex. It was already elevated. What they put on him was called the, Pastor, help me out. I'm trying to look smart right now. It was called the, the, the parabellum. 
the parabellum. And so what they would do is they'd tie it to your hands like that and make you walk in the streets. Now remember, Jesus is sleep deprived. He's bleeding from everywhere. He has a, a, a crown of thorns on his head. He has no strength. That beam could weigh at least 75 to 100 pounds, which is about 35 to 40 kgs. That's nothing. But he's tired. He's worn out. He's exhausted. He's feeling a separation with the Father. He can't do it. I have accompanied you to our text for this morning. Uh, I hope you followed. Now we read our verses. There are three different accounts of the man that helped Jesus carry his cross. In the Gospel of Matthew, Mark, and Luke, we are introduced to a brother from Africa who was forced to carry the cross of Jesus. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to read all three accounts, and we're going to see some distinct, unique features in the text that will help us become cross-bearers. So get your Bibles out. Let's go to the Gospel of Matthew. I'm going to read verse 31 and verse number 33. Matthew chapter 27 Verse 31 down to verse 33. When they were finally tired of mocking him, that's how much they wanted him dead. Have you ever insulted somebody until you got tired of doing it? See, I, I, I know some parents understand this and some spouses understand this. You, 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 spit is coming out of your mouth, you're angry, your voice is finished, and you're like... Anyway, when they were finally tired of mocking him, they took off the robe and put his own clothes on him again. Then they led him away to be crucified. Along the way, they came across a man named Simon who was from Cyrene. And the soldiers forced him to carry Jesus' cross. Simon is from North Africa, which is modern-day Libya, and because of the exiles and the integration of different races that Israel experienced, whether it was during the time of the Jews in Egypt or the time when the Queen of Sheba came to visit Solomon, there was so much integration between North Africa, the Middle East, Palestine, and the southern part of Europe. And so by the time Jesus comes, there is such a dilution of the Jewish people that People came from different parts of the world to take part in Passover. This is the Passover season. Simon is a Jew. He's there for the Passover. He's not there for the trial of Jesus. Pastor, he's not there to accuse him of something. He's not there to defend him. He's just there minding his own business. But sometimes when you're minding your own business, God will make you mind his. The Bible says that he's in the crowd, the streets are crowded, and here comes this uh, retinue of Roman soldiers, and in the middle is a man that everybody seems to have something against. Some are crying for him, some are crying against him, and as the procession comes, I imagine this brother from the motherland is thinking, oh, I'm so glad I'm not you. And as the procession comes, because he's in the front of the line, now, I don't know whether the Roman soldiers were being kind I don't know whether they were trying to speed up the process. I don't know whether they were flexing their authority by dragging somebody in. But for some reason, they drag Simon out of the crowd and they force him to carry the parabolum of Jesus. Now, I want you to notice that in all three texts, it never says that he volunteered. He was forced to carry that beam. 
For some reason, out of all the people in the crowd, he was picked on to do it. There are a couple of things I want us to learn from that experience. I want you to know, first of all, it costs you something to be at the front of the crowd. Because it's impossible that they went through the crowd and said, hey, you at the back, come here, we want you to carry the cross. I was, uh, I was a shy person. Uh, I wish I could go back to that. It would uh, prevent me from saying some of the things I say today. But as a kid, I was shy, and so I would sit in the middle of the class, not in the front like uh, my elder over here. I'd sit in the middle. Why in the middle? Because in the classroom, being in the classroom, the safest place is like being a middle, a middle child in the family. Okay, nobody cares about you that much. I wouldn't know I'm the last born. So if you're at the front of the class, you're supposed to raise your hand and say amen all the time, right? If you're in the front. If you're at the back, the teacher's looking at you, but in the middle, nobody cares about the middle. Simon is in the front, they pick on him. I'm tr simply trying to say this. If you're trying to do great things in this life, if you're trying to get to the front of the line, you are going to carry some crosses. I have the privilege of talking to people who are running business, business owners, people in high positions, and people don't understand, it's not easy. Everybody's looking at you. Everybody wants an answer. Pastor, it's a pandemic. We can't leave home. What do we do? I don't know. I am not a virologist. But everybody's looking at you because you're supposed to have answers. You carry crosses when you go to the front of the line. To the young people in the room right now, I know everything comes quick. I know everything is fast these days, but I want you to understand something. You are going to encounter crosses. It's not because God hates you. It's because God trusts you. So the Bible says that he's forced to carry a cross that is not his. And so he's brought to the front of the line to bear the parabolum of Jesus. Sometimes the cross you carry is for other people and you don't realize it. See, it's one thing to deal with your own problems. It's one thing to deal with the mess that you got going on. It's one thing to spend sleepless nights thinking about your own life. But when you have to start thinking about other people, it becomes harder. Now, I sympathize and I pray for and with people who are dealing with terminal diseases, whether it be cancer, experiencing a stroke, whether it be whatever thing that is uh, eating away at your life and one day you might expire. I sympathize with that. But understand that sometimes the family carries the cross also. I know families that spend everything, they mortgage their house over and over again, and the person didn't make it. Now they got debt. Now they have emotional uh, drainage. They, they have this phantom pain of remembering what it was like to have them. All of us will carry somebody's cross. If you have a husband or wife today, you got to carry their cross. If you have children today, you got to carry their cross. If you are a leader in any capacity, you got to carry their crosses. Because sometimes it's not about you, it's about other people. Simon could have said, no, I'm not interested in this, I'm not here for this. But the Bible says he did it anyway. Because sometimes God will call us to carry somebody else's cross. And I can testify, when you carry someone else's cross, yours becomes smaller and smaller and smaller. You're like, you know what, I'm going to deal with this later. What's going on with you? Because when you help somebody else, you are helping yourself. Amen, somebody? Stop being self-centered. Stop playing the victim because of what's going on with you. God can use your pain to be somebody else's salvation. And so the Bible says that Simon carried the cross of Jesus. But that's not the only account. There's another one. Mark chapter 15, verse number 21. Get your Bibles out, your phone, your tablet, your memory. 
to Mark chapter 15 and verse number 21. The Bible says, a passerby named Simon, who was from Cyrene, was coming in from the countryside just then. So he, he's just, he, he's camped outside the city, and he wants to come in to take part in the Passover, but instead of a lamb being sacrificed, there's a man on the chopping block. And the Bible says that the soldiers forced him to carry Jesus' cross. Here's the, new, the unique detail that Mark gives us this morning. He says, Simon was the father of Alexander and Rufus. If you can hear a child at the back, I am the father of Riley. He's the one talking at the back. Y'all pray for him. Simon was the father of Alexander and Rufus. See, I've, I've read this for a long time, and this week is the first time I, I paused and paid attention. Why does Mark need to tell us that? Does it matter that he was a father? How, how many other fathers have been crucified and been through the struggle? But you must understand when it comes to the scriptures, I've said it before, I'll say it again. The mention of a name or a family member, it suggests recall. So when Mark is writing this account, some say that Peter dictated to him uh, what to say and what to record, and Mark was the scribe, and so he's recording this, that, listen, this man from Africa, from Cyrene, from Libya, is carrying the cross of Jesus, and oh, by the way, he's the father of Alexander and Rufus. And so whatever church is reading this letter, they know Alexander, they know Rufus, and so something goes up, oh, okay, you're talking about those guys. Now, in the Bible, there are sections where these people are mentioned. Let's see if we can connect some dots. I'll tell you why it's relevant. When you read in Romans chapter 16 and verse number 13, in his letter to the church in Rome, Paul offers a couple of greetings in chapter 16. And one of those greetings goes to verse number 13, greet Rufus whom the Lord picked out to be his very own, and also his dear mother, who has been a mother to me. So this brother from the motherland is connected to one of the greatest men on, in, in, in Christian history, Paul. Rufus, because his father carried the cross, became a Jesus follower. See, I, I, I know... It is easy to be selfish when you're going through the worst experience in your life. I know it's easy to think that God doesn't love me. Why is God letting this happen to me? Why is God abandoning me? But I want you to know something. God is looking for somebody through you. And when a father and a mother carry their cross like a boss, God changes their children. Nothing prepares the next generation for life than watching their parents carry their crosses. Do you know the parent I appreciate? I appreciate a parent who succeeded but sits down to tell their child how things were before success. Because the best way you can prepare a child for life is to tell them how you handled the struggle. It's not the flex that matters. It's the struggle that matters. And so these boys are with their father. Dad is saying to the little, you guys are old enough. Let's go for the Passover. This is a trip for dad and his boys. Let's do it. And all of a sudden, dad is picked out of the crowd to carry a cross. What are they thinking? What's on their mind as this is happening? There's another text that introduces us to Simon. According to the scholars, in Acts chapter 13 and verse number 1, we are introduced to the leaders of the Christian faith at that time. And the Bible says, among the prophets and teachers of the church at Antioch of Syria 
were Barnabas, Simeon, called the black man, Lucius from Cyrene, Manane, the childhood companion of King Herod Antipas, and Saul. Among these men, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit came and said, you must put your hands on Saul because I've called him to be my servant. So Simon, the brother who carried the cross, is involved in installing Saul as the next missionary for the Christian faith. Because when you carry your cross, God can use you for great things. I'm sure everybody knows this. Uh, he's not young anymore, but I was introduced to him about 25 or so years ago before converting to Christianity. Uh, Nick is, he has no hands and he has no legs. Everybody's read the story, if you watched the YouTube videos, but I'm not interested in him right now. Because I told you that somebody always has to bear the burden. And in his case, it was his parents. Do you know what happened the day that he was born? When he popped out of his mother's womb, his father, in shock, ran out of the room to go throw up outside. For four months, his mother refused to carry him because she could not accept that this is what God has given me. And they were Christians, by the way. Still are. Four months, she couldn't carry him because it was too much to handle as a mother. How is he going to feed himself? How is he going to dress himself? But after four months, they decided, you know what? This is a responsibility we must carry. At the age of 15, uh, age of 13, Nick decided to drown himself in the bathtub. When you've got no hands and feet, it's pretty easy to do that. But in the process of trying to drown himself, he stopped because he realized my parents love me enough to continue to struggle. Why would I add that burden on them? The book you see on the screen is a book written by his father, Raising Perfectly Imperfect, an Imperfect Child. And everybody knows Nick today because he is an evangelist, he travels around the world, he writes books, he's in schools and universities, and now parents who have the same issue go to his parents for advice because they carried a cross, now they can help other people do it. Are you listening to me? You could be the, the, the product of the next book in your family. You could be the reason your children become great simply because you carry a cross like a boss. Maybe that should have been the sermon title. Carrying your cross like a boss. Let's go to Luke 23. Let's go to Luke 23. This is the final account. And I'll quit. Luke 23, verse number 26. As they led Jesus away, a man named Simon, who was from Cyrene, happened to be coming in from the countryside. The soldiers seized him. They put the cross on him and made him carry it behind Jesus. A large crowd trailed behind, including many grief-stricken women. But Jesus turned to them and said, Daughters of Jerusalem, don't weep for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. First of all, let me just put the cross-bearing the, the, the cross champion on the stage and say Jesus is amazing because he's going through the worst experience of his life, but it takes time to encourage some women that are crying for him. Right. I've been in situations like that. I visited a woman who had three different types of cancer, a skin issue, and her husband had given up on her. On her deathbed, I've watched two people die, I've told you. This woman was on her deathbed, and I'm thinking, I'm not qualified to encourage this woman. And I'm sitting by the side of the bed. She starts encouraging me. 
She starts telling me how to handle life. She starts telling me how to be a husband and how to behave and how to live my life. She became the encourager while she was bearing her cross. That's what Jesus does. I'm putting him on the pedestal. Now I want to put him in the witness stand because I got an issue with this text. So let me get this straight. Simon has been given your cross to carry, but not once do we hear Jesus say anything to him. Jesus is walking in front. Simon is behind. Jesus stops to talk to the women, but he never says anything to Simon. Now, because I'm not a bigot or an idiot, I know that this is not what it seems. Because understand something, that even though Jesus didn't speak to Simon, Jesus was still walking ahead of Simon. It's just going to take a minute for somebody to get it. It's not what you carry that matters. It's who you're following while you're doing it. Who are you following while you're carrying your cross? I know it sucks. I know it's embarrassing. I know there's a crowd around you because Simon is not carrying this cross in secret. He's carrying it publicly. It's like having financial problems and everybody knows. It's like being in a divorce. Everybody knows. It's like having kids who are crazy. Everybody knows. That's carrying your cross in public. But as long as you are walking behind Jesus, you know that one day he's going to take that cross away. People may mock you, people may talk, but at the end of the day, you focus on Christ. Because when he takes that cross away, you become a force for change in the world. It's not what you carry that matters. It's who you follow. Simon is bearing this cross, not in private. Oh yeah, there are private crosses that everybody likes to bear. In fact, sometimes we pretend that our public crosses are private. Everybody knows. When you walk in church, they lean over, that's her, that's him, that's the child. Because we don't know how to help you carry a cross, so all we do is talk about you. I've said this before. Um, I, I'm not shy, which means I complain a lot. You ask my wife, she'll tell you, I complain a lot. If I call you and you cut the call, that's fine, you're busy, I get it, right? If I call you and I can't get through because of signal or whatever, that's fine, I get it. But if I call you and the phone just rings and rings and rings and rings and says, call and never answered, Pastor Henry, I wanna know why you ignored my call. Not, not you, but you do that sometimes. Don't call Pastor Henry before nine o'clock in the morning because that's God time. Don't call him, he won't answer your call. It is frustrating to understand that heaven's line is always open, but sometimes God just chooses not to say anything. But like I said before, God ignores you because he trusts you. Okay, that one doesn't work. It's not, it's not, it's not jailing. Let me try another one. Uh, you attention-seeking generation. God ignores giving attention to what you are going through so that you can pay attention to what he's doing for you. See, sometimes we get so caught up with, woe is me, look at my life, things are bad for me compared to someone else. God is like, don't, don't focus on that, focus on me, look at what I'm doing. What are you doing, Jesus? I'm walking right in front of you. Because even though you have to carry the cross, you don't have to hang on it, I'll do that for you. This movie, The Passion of the Christ, made over 600 million 20 years ago when it was made, in fact... Uh, Mal Gibson is trying to make a, a sequel based on the resurrection of Christ. Uh, it, 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 has, it has divided Christianity because some people had a problem with it, some people loved it. But the amazing thing is, over the years I've heard so many testimonies of how people who are outside watched it and it impressed them. 
It gave them a chance to hear about Jesus, but that's not what I want to talk about right now. Uh, the internet is considered the undefeated champion because we like to meme everything. It doesn't matter whether it's an actor, a politician, a, pre a preacher, even Jesus gets memed. So you see this picture, this is during the filming of that movie. So Mel Gibson, being the director and the producer, he is sitting down with Jim Caviar, Caviar, that guy, and, and he says he's giving him directions about a scene that is coming up. So somebody took this picture, and the internet, as always, they memed it. Some of them I cannot show them because I will definitely not be allowed to preach anymore. But the one that I liked is this one. I liked this one. The way we pray and complain sometimes is like explaining to Jesus that your cross is too heavy to carry. And Jesus is like, mm-hmm, yeah, I wouldn't know what that feels like. I've never carried a cross in my life. You cannot compare your struggle with what Jesus volunteered to go through. You can get yourself out of it. He could have, but he stuck around for you. Jesus wants your, your life to be a meme to somebody else. Cross-bearing gives others an opportunity to hear the Lord. So let's come back to those women. So Simon is carrying the cross. Jesus is walking in front of him. Do you understand that if Simon didn't take the cross from Jesus, Jesus would not have been able to speak to those women? Do you understand that by carrying that cross, Jesus was able to talk to those women because he could? Understand that when you carry your cross like a boss, you are giving someone an opportunity to hear about Jesus because what you're going through becomes a letter. We know about Job. We know about Esther. We know about Daniel. We know about Joseph. We know about all these men and women simply because they carried their crosses. You become the sermon. Oh, apparently that's it. I want to read. I want to read one more thought for you. And the thought simply goes that when God ignores you, he is trying to help you focus on the thing that matters the most, what he's doing for you. And most of all, what he's doing for others. Because if God is around the corner helping someone else, it means that he's about to come to your neighborhood. So through all the embarrassment, through all the fear, through all the shame, through all the questions that people ask, but you're a Christian, why are things not working out? You remind them, now and again, God trusts me to carry a cross. Don't let the cross be the reason you reject God. Let it be the reason you come to him. In fact, statistically... It's not the crosses that people carry that make them walk away from Christ. It's the people who fail to be a good example while carrying theirs. I understand. I'm not an idiot. I understand that when you see a pastor or an elder go through something in their life, you are watching to see how they handle it because it has an impression on you. I get it. So now I want to pass on the responsibility back to you. Stop watching me. Start watching yourself. How? Are you handling your crosses? Let me ask you a question right now, and then we'll pray. Is there anybody here who is carrying a cross, and they're saying, Lord, please walk ahead of me. I can't do this alone. If that's you, stand to your feet. Stand to your feet. Yeah, I've tried. I've, I've, I've gone to the bank. I've gone to family. I've gone to the pastor. I've, I've spoken to, 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 to family relatives. I've spoken to friends. I've tried to confide in my people, my crew my squad, but it ain't happening. I need you to walk in front of me. Heads bowed, eyes closed. Heads bowed, eyes closed. Heavenly Father, it is easier said than done to be able to look at the crosses we are carrying and decide 
that I'm going to use this opportunity to be an example. Nobody, or at least very few people, think that way. When we are carrying our crosses, it's like wrestling with God in the wilderness alone, as Jacob did. But sometimes, like Simon, you call us to carry the cross in public, in front of family, in front of friends, in front of haters, in front of enemies. They are right there, ready to condemn, ready to mock, ready to make fun of you. But Father, teach us to see that you are walking ahead of us. Because that cross, even though it is what we are carrying, it is not ours to hang on. We thank you for bearing the burden. You never said we'd never carry a burden. You never said the road would be easy. But you did say you would help us carry that burden and that you would make it easier. And so I pray this morning, at this moment, for anybody that stood up and says, I am carrying a cross that is obviously more than I can handle by myself. I am carrying a cross that everybody can see. I am carrying a cross that people text and tweet each other about. I'm carrying a cross that has kept me off social media. I'm carrying a cross that causes me to drive to work in a different route. I'm carrying a cross that forces me to sit in a certain place in the church where people won't notice me. But I'm carrying it anyway. And so Lord, I'm asking, please, never be out of my sight while I'm carrying that cross. Heavenly Father, today we are in a room filled with cross bearers. Crosses of their own making, crosses of circumstance, or crosses that you have given them because you trust them. I pray, Father, that the sight that is only by faith would allow us to look beyond what is to see what could be. Allow us to see what you can do with what we're going through and not focus on the thing. Allow us to look at who we are following and not what we are carrying. Allow us to be Jesus followers who are cross bearers, who are soul savers and who will one day be heaven enterers. Help us, dear God, to be the best at carrying our cross. If this is your prayer, my brothers and sisters, let me hear you say amen. And amen. God bless you. You may take your seats.